The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by Discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Joanne Kraft of Grace and Truth Living led a track called Women and Disciple Making. Joanne Kraft has put together a nifty PDF download of 42 scriptures that are great for memorizing and for discipleship in general. And it's available for free through discipleship.org. Now, these scripture passages are a great way for you and someone you disciple to memorize scripture together. It has a beautiful design. And what's great is that you can print it off from anywhere you are in the world. This PDF is available for download through discipleship.org slash grace and truth. That's one word. So go online and download their free PDF at discipleship.org slash grace and truth. Now here's the track session from Grace and Truth Living. So a little bit about me. Thank you, Joanne, so much and for, for letting me be a part of this track. Uh, I work at Harpeth Christian Church, uh, which is who where discipleship.org came from. Uh, Bobby Harrington, um, I work with him. And I've been there eight or nine years-ish. Uh, I started out volunteering and then about 10 hours a week they're like oh can you help us because we feel guilty like having you volunteer anymore so can we pay you like for 10 hours and I'm like sure why not so um, started out doing that and then a discipleship minister left one of our home group ministers and so they're like hey could you increase your hours you seem to really know this like home group system could you increase your hours sure so move forward you know about five years and now I'm full-time um, and I try to really coordinate our home group ministry, um, help with the trainings, uh, also work with our women's discipleship ministry, and we're, we're really um, intentional about calling it a discipleship ministry and not women's ministry. So um, that sounds like it's a small detail, but it's a really important one for us um, because we want to make sure discipleship is really woven all throughout um, whatever we're doing, really. And so my, my in my previous life, um, I was a physician assistant with, um, in pediatric infectious disease uh, for about a dozen years. And it's been so interesting to take that and all of the things that I learned there and then bring it uh, into ministry uh, a few years later. And, um, and working there, it has been an amazing learning experience. Uh, most of what I talk with you today is from experience. Um, I've gone to you know a few of these conferences, and obviously we've done uh, lots of these things, uh, learning the process. But our church actually became truly focused on discipleship 10 to 12 years ago. So that feels like a long time, but in the span of a church, it's really not that long. Um, and so it's a big deal to move your ship. So I intentionally do not have slides because I'm going to ask you guys a few questions as far as where you come from because I want to make sure that what you get is usable, right? So if I have a whole audience that's a little different than what I anticipated, then I'm going to change it around a little bit to make sure you guys have something when you walk out the door, okay? Um, I will have some handouts. Um, they'll, they'll pass those around. You won't need them for a little bit, but my contact information is on there call me. I mean, my phone number's on there. My email's on there. I love to get involved with um, leaders and really help and coach in any way that I can um, to help you through what your system looks like. But um, so Joanne asked, it was about what, half the room had been here before and not been for, okay. So how many um, in here are leading discipleship ministries at your church? Okay. Awesome. How many churches are sold out for discipleship at this point? It's okay. I will not tell your lead pastors if you say no. <laughs> Honestly, how many are really sold out? Okay, only a few. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, great. Those of you that are awesome. So how many of you actually are on staff at the church? Okay, so that means the rest are volunteers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, volunteers. Like our discipleship ministry would not run without you. Um, you guys are actually doing the work um, of discipleship. Honestly, this conference would not happen without our volunteers. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you do with discipleship and, um, and discipleship ministry. So, um, all right, that does, that just changed my mind a little bit about where I'm going, so I'm glad I asked that. I'm not going to spend much time in the biblical side of why we disciple. Uh, Shadonke did a beautiful job of that, and you're going to hear a couple more speakers, I'm sure, along the line do that. Um, we're commanded to do it, so let's be obedient and do it. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have a heart for it. Uh, what I would love to see happen, though, is for you to have a burden for it. There's a different difference for me from having, you know what, wow, that's a really good idea, that's on my heart, to 
if I don't do this, there's no, there, I shouldn't be getting up in the morning, right? First thing you're thinking about in the morning. Those are burdens, you know? So I pray that throughout this conference you will be burdened for discipleship, um, whether it's in women's discipleship or home group ministries or whatever your, your area of expertise is or that you're currently involved in. Um, I pray that you are burdened for discipleship. Uh, we know about Matthew 28. We know about, um, we use uh, to define a disciple, Matthew um, 419, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, the way we kind of put it together is a disciple is someone that is following Jesus, um, he's being changed by Jesus, and he's on mission with Jesus. And being on mission with Jesus just means to be making disciples, who are making disciples, who are then making disciples. Um, that's the goal. So um, when we first when we first started thinking about discipleship, um, and we, we thought of D groups, most people have, most places have D groups. Um, for us, we call them T groups uh, because we believe it's transformation that happens. We believe that discipleship happens almost at all levels. It happens on Sunday morning, it happens at big events, it happens uh, you know, in your home group, it's, it happens almost everywhere. So we believe that Jesus was transforming his disciples, especially those that were very close to him. That's his goal was to transform them um, into his likeness. And so, so we look at it as T groups, um, which feels a little funny to, for a while, um, but then we got used to it because everybody's like, don't you mean D groups? Like, no, you mean T groups. Um, so, so I'll be calling everything basically T groups that, that I want to be talking about. One of the um, most important things for, for you all in here, because so many of you are leaders, is that you have people in your life that are helping to feed into you. So I'm gonna use the uh, picture of what actually Kathy Dupree, who's one of our elders, we call them handlers. All the speakers have handlers, and so each of the tracks, um, we have a handle that makes sure we turn our mics on and make sure we're in the right place. So she's our handler, which is a good thing because we wouldn't be here if we didn't. But the way she likes to see it is Barrel of Monkeys. Y'all probably had this game for your kids, or you know, my daughter was entertained for hours with, this barrel, with a barrel of monkeys. And so the, what she likes to, to tell us is to remember that you need to be reaching up for, the, for a monkey above you um, while you're also reaching down and adding a disciple to yours and then continuing the process so that then they can reach down. So Kathy is a beautiful example of who I get to reach up to. All right, She prays for me. She's a person that if she sees me on Sunday morning and I don't look quite right, um, she knows. And she asks me and I have to tell her the truth. Uh, she'll call me and check um, if she knows one of my kids is sick or something's going on in my life. Um, she'll call and check on me. You all need that. Okay, no matter where you are in your walk, um, whatever you're leading um, or whatever you're being built up to lead, you need that in your life. Okay, and I know that you're going to, Joanne's going to talk later um, in her session a little bit more about that. But think about that first. Okay, don't try to go solo. Um, I know that that my husband just recently in January or so became an elder in our church. And before that, honestly, the elders' wives were a little intimidating to me, you know? Um, and a lot of the leaders of the church, the women that had done a whole lot of stuff before me, um, before I kind of came along, I was intimidated by them uh, because they had done it their way for a long time. And here I'm coming in and, and Bobby's like, Michelle, discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. I'm like, oh yeah, discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. I never worked in a church before. I don't really know the system. So I come in there, hey guys, we're gonna do discipleship. And they're like, no, we have a Bible study scheduled. I'm like, oh, okay, well, all right, so then I go, back to, I go back to Bobby and I go back to, the, to our ministry team and they're like, well, how's discipleship going to happen? I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but I'm kind of scared to go back to their meeting um, and tell them that we can't do the Bible study. So one of the things that we did in our church system was we kind of let stuff die. Stuff that wasn't focused on discipleship, we kind of gave it a natural death. Um, and those that were leading it kind of, naturally kind of came out of the system for a little while. Um, the way that we described it when somebody asked was, we were like, you know what, we're gonna focus on home groups. We're gonna focus on the um, men's things coming out of the home groups and the women's, the women's stuff coming out of home groups. So if there's a, there's a Bible study that people in that home group wanna do, then they'll do it together. And we kind of let it naturally kind of die out. So our ministry, women's ministry, or women's ministry team um, kind of just kind of fell away. Uh, and they didn't actually notice, to be quite honest, for a while. Um, and then all of a sudden, 
a few people would say something every now and then. And so we started a couple little little Bible studies and some things like that. But we, we kind of let things kind of even out a little bit. You know, we gave it a little bit of time. And then we started, I, I'm a firm believer, because um, I do a lot of the planning for events and, and things like that. And I pitch a lot of the ministry ideas that people bring to me, um, to our, our executive team. And if there's not a champion for it, and there's not volunteers for something, I don't take it anywhere. Um, because too many times, and you people that are on staff, you know that, um, somebody's got a great idea, but they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I think it's going to be great to do this canned food drive, but I don't plan on actually being there that Saturday. So, um, But you guys should really do it. Um, and I know all of you <laughs> have hit that. So I'm a firm believer, and we don't do it unless we have people that are really committed and really want to um, see it happen. So that's one of the things that, that we waited on. Uh, and the way that we look at discipleship uh, may be a little bit different than what other people, the way other people look at discipleship. We look at it truly life on life, truly knowing each other. Um, the way that, that I describe it, I do a lot of work um, through recovery and discipleship within recovery. So, um, so the way that I usually describe it to people is um, we've got a jungle. The world is our jungle, okay? Um, it's really messy, really hard to get through. I'm over here. Jesus is on the other side of it, okay? My normal route is to go like this, and sometimes I get there somewhat on accident, and sometimes I don't. <coughs> Hi there. Welcome. Come on in. There you go. Um, and that's, that's our normal path. You know, Our normal path is every time we get into an obstacle, we kind of go, well, let me change routes. Um, oh, another obstacle, let me change routes again. And so what we do with discipleship, though, is we come alongside somebody, and we illuminate the path. Okay, We just hold a lamp over the path, hopefully that's the most direct path towards Jesus. Okay, And when those things cross their path, we help them know what to do to actually get the obstacle out of the way. Sometimes we need a bulldozer. Um, sometimes we just need a rake to get that obstacle out of the way. But when I describe it to them as that, meaning I'm not going to pull them down the path. If they go way off the path, I'm going to illuminate the path and I'll probably lean into it a little bit, but I'm not going to go chase them um, into their cycle of sin or their cycle of crazy. I'm going to illuminate the path and go, you're welcome to come back, come back, you know? And that, to me, keeps us sane when we're in ministry. Um, it keeps your, the people that you are trying to develop into leaders, um, keeps them sane, too, because they're not trying to chase down everyone that's going every which way. Um, but they are being the rock-solid um, disciple-maker that, that those people need. They need to know that you're still in the same location. You're still with Jesus, um, because your path should be pretty straight, hopefully. You know, hopefully you're not going in all the different directions. Um, and if you start to, hopefully you have a Kathy in your life to tell you, you know what, you're coming off the path, <laughs> come back to this path, because she's holding the light over the path for, for me. So that's the way that I describe it to people, um, because it gives them a little bit of a, of a reality check, to be quite honest, of what I will be doing um, and what they can or cannot necessarily expect from me. Because some people, if they come to you and they're just like, I want to be discipled. I want this relationship. Um, be a little wary of that because, because sometimes they just want somebody in their life to go along with them everywhere they go. Okay, And I'm not willing to do that. Um, I, will, I will watch the spinning cycles, but I will not enter the rotation. Okay, um, And there are many people that have tried to pull me into their rotations. Uh, let's see here. So the, the Bible puts a lot of um, commands in there to protect our relationships, right? Uh, you can look at the Ten Commandments, and half of them are to protect our relationship with God, and the other half are to protect our relationship with people. Um, start thinking in those terms of relationships. Um, Jesus was in, in relationship. Um, we are not supposed to walk through this life by ourselves, okay? We cannot continue the process of sanctification by ourselves. We have to have people in our lives, um, both us and we need to be in somebody else's life to be able to help the process, okay? Um, Jesus had, had, had his few and it was a beautiful process to watch them being transformed um, into what he saw their potential to be, okay? And that's the same kind of thing that, that you're gonna be asked to do as a disciple maker, um, do that for somebody else. 
the, um, be, to be transforming really their lives. Um, we have tea groups because it's a safe place. Um, and I'll describe really more about what they are in a minute. Um, they are a place where you can hear truth, you expect to hear truth, um, and you are going to be challenged to grow um, in truth. And that's what it's for. Um, it's not for big social events. It's not to improve your um, work life. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not that kind of coach. Um, it's specific to your spiritual life. Yes, the overflow will be there, um, but it is specific to your spiritual life. So I want to, to tell you a little bit about our, our discipleship journey. And this is, this is fresh, y'all. <laughs> um, this is really happening, like, as we speak, quite literally. So like I mentioned before, um, we had lots of Bible studies going on. We had moms going on. We had lots of great things going on. And there was, there was little bits of discipleship going on. Um, there were some, some groups that would happen. We had Celebrate Recovery, and that's a beautiful form of discipleship that happens there. Uh, and, but we didn't, we didn't really have it organized in such a way that we could plug people in, that we could really get groups going. So beside, we had home groups, um, but I'm talking about more of a transitional, uh, transformation type groups. So I also like to wait on God's, God's prompting. So um, when two or three people that I respect come to me with the same thing, that's God's prompting for me to do something. So what happened was two or three different people um, whom I respect came to me and said, I want to be a part of women's discipleship at Harpeth Christian Church and we need to make it happen. How can we make it happen? Let's meet. I'm like, well, all right. Another person comes to me, says the same thing. Well, game's starting to go on. Another one's coming. And I've been praying and fasting about this for a while. And once you start seeing those people, okay, now, now we got something happening. Uh, and so what we did was we got together. Um, I tried to pull together, first of all, the people that were coming to me because I loved and respected them and knew that they um, really did know what the, what the heartbeat of the church was. And then we started finding key people that were in some leadership positions um, within the church. So you all know them. Um, they lead the Bible study at their house where there's like 20 women that show up and they have like a like Pied Piper following. Uh, or maybe they're... Um, they're doing something in another type of, of study somewhere, or people just seem to be drawn to them. We got a couple of those people on our team uh, because uh, might as well go with the goers, right? And, um, and we started really, really talking about what discipleship could look like. Um, and so what, what really came to, the, to fruition was I went through our list of all the, the women leaders of our, of our church. Um, we looked at home group leaders, we looked at people that had, had done Bible studies, we looked at anybody that we really saw fruit, um, we put on a list. So we had about 50 people on the list, okay, and almost all of them were producing fruit somewhere or had in the past or whatever. Uh, and so we invited that list to a meeting. We said, hey, we're going to have a women's discipleship meeting. Y'all come on. We promise we'll have snacks um, and we'll have some candy. Um, and that usually brings people. So we brought people for the candy. And what um, about, out of the 50, about 39 showed up, which that's huge percentage. Um, if y'all, I know you guys have tried to call meetings for, with people. At that number's, you know. How many is the 50 out of the church? Out of the church, it's probably out of maybe 200, okay. you know, 220. So, so they show up, and our goal that night was to put a burden on their hearts for discipleship. We had probably four of us that spoke. Um, it was very intentional who we chose uh, so that we could hit different pockets of people. Um, and you know those pockets you have in your church. You know, there's the young mom pocket. There's the um, empty nester pocket. There's, you know, there, there's those pockets. And so we were, we were very intentional about making sure we were speaking to each of the pockets of people um, because those are the movers and shakers in your church. Um, and they can turn the tide of your church, um, either to good or to not so good. Uh, but so we intentionally brought them in and wanted to put a burden on their heart for discipleship. And when we did that, uh, we, the follow-up to that was we were going to do a seven-week study in the summer, which if, if you all have ever done a summer study, that's really hard to do, but this is, that was the timing. And we said we're going to do a seven-week study in the summer. And out of those 39, 22 people, 22 women showed up. Um, and 22 were there pretty much seven 
you know, for seven weeks. And what we did in that um, is we went over the one handout that you have that's um, a T group. It's an overview. It's one with my phone number and stuff on top. And I'm going to go through that um, in, in much more specifics in just a moment. But um, we went through that. We went through kind of the principles of what a T group could look like. Um, and then we went through what we call trust and follow, which I'll explain a little bit of that too. Um, we went through what you would teach, kind of the beginnings um, of the study, excuse me, of the group. And that group stayed faithful for seven weeks in the summer, June and July. Like, that doesn't happen. And so then we, well, we talked about discipleship. We talked just of like what Shadonke really, really went through as far as the, the biblical idea of discipleship. We also had a testimonial from somebody that was in Joanne's um, tea group. And she said, this is how it's changed my life. We need to be in each other's lives. And, and that was really powerful. Um, and so that's, and, and you know, we went to scripture and just said, this is what we're commanded to do. Um, we know that you don't feel perhaps ready for it. We're going to train you. Um, you're still not going to feel ready for it. <laughs> um, but, but we're called to do this. So, you know, let's get up and do it. And, and out of that, you know, over half of them came to those seven weeks. So, so whatever we said, I guess, worked. Um, really, the Holy Spirit is what, <laughs> what did it, you know. Um, so at that time, too, we were planning our fall. You know, it's, it's May, June, we're planning our fall, and we're like, okay, we want to weave discipleship in. Um, we want to make our fall programming um, a fishing pool for these groups. So, so we actually talked to a couple other movers and shakers and said, will you bring your people to our fall programming? Will you not do your separate Bible study? Will you actually bring them? And this is the reason why we want you to bring them. We want to, to put a burden on people's heart for discipleship, for growth, for truly what growth can look like in their lives. Uh, and so, and they agreed. Obviously much prayer went into it, and we'll go into that in a minute too. But, but they saw what it looked like. What if we were a unified group of people at church? What if all the women were actually on the same page and were unified and decided that discipleship was really where it was at. Um, we could move mountains. Um, so Joanne actually taught, is teaching it. I mean, we're in it literally right now. Um, Joanne's teaching it, and she's working on Titus 2, working through Titus 2. But what we've done is the leaders that were there over the summer, most of those are our table leaders or our book leaders um, for this study that we're, for the study that we're doing. We did a morning class, we did an evening class. We had 130 women sign up. What? Like that, we, we, that's twice the number we've ever had for any big studies, um, especially when they went all fall. Like, you know, they can commit to maybe a month, but not, you know, an entire fall. So, um, so they were committed to that, and they've been coming. We usually have 90 on most Wednesdays, um, and, and considering that our population travels a fair amount, uh, so, so we've been thrilled with that. So what we're talking to our leaders now, now that they're developing relationships, um, we're keeping the groups the same that are together, but but now we're going to be talking to our leaders about really looking to their groups as fishing pools to start tea groups out of. So that's because we have to be in relationship before we start doing a lot of these things. Um, and so, so I would commend to you, figure out what your fishing pool can be, okay? Because you need, they need to start developing relationships. They need to get comfortable with one another. And so that's been our process. And like I said, we're literally in the middle of it. So we have, oh, right there. So we have probably five or six um, groups that are already going, um, T groups that are kind of already going. Some of them are new leaders and some of them are, are um, past leaders. And we would expect in January to probably have at least another five or six started. Um, and so I'll go through exactly what a T group looks like in just a minute. But, but that for us is huge fruit. Um, and it's really exciting. Let me guess. Um, not all of them in the 130, but all of them that our leaders are from our church. Yes. Yes. If you're going to actually lead a T group that's representative of our church, we require you to be a member. Um, we want to make sure you're theologically on the same page with us, uh, but not necessarily to be in a group. You can be not necessarily be a member. Yes. One of the things that we did this fall is, um, that's why I love the fact that this can be really informal because Joanne can throw that in. Um, one of the things we did this fall is there were, we had 
in the past a mom's group um, and they just kind of did table discussions and then they went about their business because life is crazy when you got toddlers, I get that. Um, and then we had a group that was really into deep Bible studies, deep book studies. And we're like, well, how are we going to get these two groups together? Um, because they really have different needs and different wants. So what we did was this, the study that, that we're, we're going through, we're, we have a book study um, that actually doesn't necessarily go along, you know, week to week exactly, but it's the same scripture that, that we're say, working through the same passages. Um, and so there, they, people could sign up for either that deep book study or they could sign up for just table discussion. So we're not trying to force everybody into the same into the same type of, of place, okay, in the fishing pool, okay. Once they decide that they want something deeper, then, then everybody gets on the same page. Um, but in the fishing pool, we wanted to make sure that we were really encouraging everybody to be able to come, um, whether they could make it every single week or they couldn't, um, or they wanted to go deep or they wanted to keep it simple. So, so that's what, how, where we are right now, um, and, and like I said, it's, it's literally as we're, as we're speaking. Um, so how do we start a transformation group? Um, pray, pray, and pray some more, and fast. Um, you guys all got to hear Shadonke, and I'm so grateful that he spoke on prayer and fasting. Um, I can't do ministry without prayer and fasting. Um, just for a side note, my journey to fasting started about two and a half years ago. Um, we had a woman in her 30s in our church that um, was diagnosed with terminal cancer, six months to live. Uh, she had been a missionary for our church. She, we were invested in, in their family's lives. And she asked all of us to, to fast for her because um, she had a scan coming up. And at that same time, like I said, I work in, in a lot of uh, recovery. Um, we had marriages falling apart, and I'm doing counseling with, with wives that are finding things about their spouses, um, you know, being pulled into meetings about people leaving the church for silly reasons and, and things like that. And I felt burdened. And I thought, I can either not do ministry anymore, or I can figure out how to hand over these, these burdens, because this is too much for me to carry. Um, I don't tend to be an emotional person. I don't tend to have trouble carrying burdens. Um, I mean, I worked in pediatric HIV for 12 years, so, so that part wasn't new to me, but it was the weight of them that became too much. And so she asked us to, to fast for her. And I'm like, well, of course, I'm not going to be the one person that doesn't fast for you know, this poor woman. And so, so I did. And what I found during that time was I was able to hand over my burdens. Like, truly, I could hand them over. For the, for, I'd handed over bits and pieces over time, um, but nothing like this. Um, to be broken on your knees... Uh, and to be resisting, you know, temptation of, of the food that I had in the fridge, um, it was a game changer. Uh, and so I, I would love to talk to anybody about that, about how, you know, I started or didn't start it, or the fails, the, the wins and the, and the, the non-success times. Um, I would love to talk to anybody about it. Um, do not try to lead a ministry or lead a type of transformation groups without um, prayer and fasting. It, it really shouldn't be done, to be quite honest. Um, you need the Holy Spirit in this. Um, you need it as strong as possible um, in this. The world doesn't want this to happen. The world does not want you to have um, men and women in your church transformed um, into what could be the likeness of Jesus. They just don't. It doesn't want it to happen. So you will have everything fighting for it. Well, hey, Bobby. I just want you to know she's Thank the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Maggie. Anyway, um, but that's the kind of stuff that, that you have to enter into it with that. Um, one of the things that Kathy actually brought to the table for our, our women's discipleship team, she said, you know what, I don't think we're praying enough for what's happening. Um, we need to meet weekly and actually commit this ministry to, to full-on prayer. Um, and all of us show up weekly. Um, we have a little bit of a meeting, but the meeting's maybe 10 minutes of it. The majority of it is prayer for each other. Um, it's prayer for the people that are coming. It's prayer for the leaders. Um, that's what it's there for. So um, I cannot overstate um, prayer and fasting uh, for your ministries. So that's the first step. Um, and then you start one of the things that you're really praying through is who to invite to your groups, okay? If you're um, really just wanting to, like, start this for the very first time, I encourage you to start your own group, 
Okay, start it from that. Uh, and then you can get a little experience that way. Um, or if you have a few people that you know have experience um, doing some discipleship, start with that, that nucleus group. Don't try to launch a full on, you know, um, Hail Mary in the very beginning because it's not going to, it, it may not be successful and may hurt more people than you actually help. So um, start with your own group. Pray about who God wants you to lean into, okay? He will probably put people across your path. He probably already has. Um, look at both inside the church and outside the church. T-groups are great places also for non-believers, okay? It's a place for them to know what believers are doing up close. So, so look at, you know, the soccer teams. Look at, at where, you know, your kids are going to school. Look at if you're in a gym. Look at all these places um, and see who God's putting across your path. Who is it that comes to you on Sunday mornings like, will you pray for me? My goodness, I've got this going on. Okay. Who is it that you always catch their eye across the room and you're like, that is somebody I want to get to know. Okay, those are the kind of people that you're looking for. We use the acronym AFTR, um, A-F-T-R. My husband likes to switch the letters around. I'll tell you, I won't tell you what, how he likes to switch the letters around, but it, it's, yeah. Um, but we call it available, um, faithful, teachable, and reliable. Okay, those are the kind of people you're looking for a T group. All right, if somebody is um, super flaky, um, super, super emotionally immature, um, they're not ready for a T group. Okay, these are people that want to grow spiritually. Now you say, well, if it's a non-believer, why would, how would they want to grow spiritually? Um, there are non-believers that want to grow spiritually. Okay, the ones that are looking. Um, and what they're doing is they're looking at you and they're going, there's something that she has that I want. Um, maybe it's peace, maybe it's joy, maybe it's stability, whatever it is. Um, it's fruit of the spirit that they want. Um, and so those are the kind of people that you're, you're looking at. Those are the kind of people that you're praying about. You know, God, tell me if this is somebody that I should feed into. And when you pray that, more than likely on Sunday, they're going to co come up, you know, can we have coffee? And you're like, well, okay, that took care of that, you know, answer. And so, so be praying for that. Be very open. Um, to people, the people that you would invite to your group can be any walk. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to be younger than you or they need to be um, in the same phase of life as you. There's, look for a variety, okay? There are women that I've discipled that are in their 70s. There are women that I've discipled that are in their 20s. Okay, God has shown up in all of it, um, and I'm not carrying the heavy burden of it. He is, and so he tells me what to say, or he tells me when to shut up. He tells me what I need to do. So depend on the Holy Spirit in those instances. But if there's somebody that's coming across your path regularly that looks like a good candidate, they probably are, okay? So for us, um, T-groups, you can actually, if you want to semi-follow along, I'm not good at following um, outlines, as you probably have already noticed. Uh, but on this one, this is, this is kind of where I'm headed. But our T-groups are um, gender-specific. They are usually four to six people. Uh, they have an intentional leader. Uh, and that may be you, it may be somebody in your ministry. Um, know your leaders. If you are leading a ministry um, for discipleship, know your leaders, uh, know them well. Uh, they are transparent, um, meaning they're gonna get to know each other really well, and they should. Uh, so the way that you started out is you have, you've had these people on your heart, um, you've approached them for coffee. Hey, can we have coffee? Don't mention that you want to talk to them about a tea group because it's easier to not invite than uninvite, okay? So if you have coffee with them and they're just going on and on and on about something that, that you're like, mm, that's red flags. And we've all had those conversations where red flags come up and you're like, yeah, this isn't the right time for them or whatever. Um, just have coffee with them. And then the next person you ask uh, to coffee, Joanne likes to call it the awkward coffee. It feels like it is, um, but we have never had anybody offended by A, asking them to coffee, or B, even asking them to be in a tea group, okay? Um, it feels a little awkward because it feels like, well, I'm spiritually more mature than you are. So yeah, yeah. And, and to that, I usually say um, that we have to follow the Holy Spirit and if there's somebody that does get offended with that, sometimes I'll meet with them and go, tell me what it is that you're really looking for. Most of the time, they're actually not ready for a T group. 
Um, if they're that offended by not being asked to be in one, then they're probably not ready for one. Uh, but we ha we have developed groups because we're like, okay, well, no, they are ready, and maybe we maybe we do need to provide a group for them or find somebody that's that's can meet with them maybe one on one or you know something like that. So yeah, we it's happened. Um, but but if you're inviting them, you are probably more spiritually mature than they are. Okay, and that's okay. It's okay for us to be more spiritually mature than somebody else. But it also may just be that they've got, they're in a rough time in their life. So it may be that, that on the outside, you guys look like you're kind of in the same place, but they may be in a tough spot and they may be right now, they need feeding into. Um, and that's okay to put them in a group. Some of the people that we invited to that summer session, they weren't ready to be T group leaders. <laughs> but I knew that they needed to be developed so that they could, they could get a camaraderie with other women and these women can start pulling them up. Um, and so, so don't be afraid to ask somebody to be in the group. Uh, but it is really important to let them know that this is a discipleship group. This is a group where we're going to do full-on discipleship. Um, and so it's going to be happening in this group. Um, and, and with that will come responsibilities and come um, expectations. So once you get your, your peeps together, um, you know, your four to six together, and they're like, yeah, actually, this seems like it might, might actually work. Meet. Okay, have everybody meet together. And as you're talking to them about it, you're going to announce the day and the time. Find one that works for you. Don't do one that is like the most horrific time in your day is from two to four because you got to pick kids up in every direction and I think I'll do a group then because that's most convenient for everybody else. Um, no, choose your time and, um, and then go with it from there. God will use that time to weed people out that shouldn't be in your group. Okay, another group will come along that they can get into. We've seen it happen. Um, we've seen it happen with multiple people. Um, and so pick what works for you because you're the most consistent person that has to be there. You have to be there. Okay, so, so make it work for you. Uh, ministry shouldn't be that kind of burden. Um, and then so a couple things to, to think about while you're, while you're kind of getting this group together. Call out the good in them. Call out what you see in them as being, you know what, I see you getting to here, and it's going to be awesome when you get there. i got to watch my time. Like I said, I can talk forever. Um, you know, call that out in them uh, because that may be the only thing they need to go, really? You see that in me? Wow, okay. Um, so, so be thinking about that. And a few cautions, friends and groups together. Okay, if you have coffee with somebody like, oh my gosh, my best friend would be awesome to be in this group. Um, a, probably don't do it. Um, but B, have coffee with the best friend and find out what's this relationship really look like? How do they deal with conflict? Um, can they actually include other people in their relationship? Um, so, so just caution against it. Use things like, you know what, we've already got the group pretty much full, um, you know, but let me try and find another group for you. Some things like that, okay? So, so I caution you there. Relatives, don't put them in the same group. Just don't do it. I don't care how good of a relationship two sisters have, don't do it, okay? Or a mother and daughter, or son and father, don't do it. Even, even we had one that, that wanted to be a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law in the same group. What? No, mm -mm, no, not gonna do it, okay? Um, and just tell them it's a church policy. <laughs> like, whatever you have to tell them, just no. Um, the other word is, Pastors' wives and pastors, okay, or pastors' husbands, whatever. Um, they need a safe place. They need to be in groups, um, but it needs to be a very safe group. So that is something just to, I, I want to encourage them to be in groups, but just be a part of placing that person, okay? And if they need to be in your group because it's going to be a safe group, that's okay. Things come up with pastors um, and their spouses that, a lot of people don't need to know about, okay? So just be cautious in where you place them, but, but totally put them in groups. So, um, so then your first gathering, you're going to talk about um, the expectations of the group, um, the usual rules apply, start on time, end on time, that kind of stuff. Uh, but one of the things that you're going to talk about is autobiographies. We, do, we have everybody do a spiritual autobiography. Uh, and the reason for that is to get that group deep and... and transformational really fast, uh, or not transformational. That's it, yes. I was like, it starts with a T and I'm looking at a window. Yeah, transparent very fast, okay? And you are the person that's going to go first. If you've never shared a transparent um, autobiography, it can be really scary. Um, do it anyway. 
All right, the people in your group need to know who you are. They need to know your low points and they need to know your high points with Jesus, okay? Uh, because they need to share those with you. And, the, and if you do those well, um, you will get to know each other very quickly, okay? And it will become a bonded group. And that's what you want. You want that to happen fast because you want the transformation to be happening, okay? They may not have ever shared their story before. All right, so this is a time to really encourage them, to reach out to them as they're doing it. The way we do it is we have one a week. Um, we have them write it out in bullets uh, because you are much more likely to share some stuff when you're by yourself um, writing it out than you get there. And you're like, yeah, I'm not really going to share that. But if you have it in bullets, you're more likely to share it, <laughs> okay? Um, be the example. Don't just give them the, the Disney version of what your spiritual walk has looked like, okay? Give them the version of, you know what, this is when I lost my faith. This is when I couldn't see God in my life. Um, but this is when he showed back up again. And this is what I did to get there. And so share those kinds of things. Um, you can also pass out, most of ours do, a little um, bio cheat sheet. Uh, that's an easy way to skip some of all that stuff to be in their autobiographies. Find out what their spouse's name, how old their kids are, you know, interests, things like that. Keep those on because those are the kind of things that are going to endear them to you when you reach out on their birthday. Um, or their kids' birthdays, or different things like that. Um, you're not going to remember all that. Don't pretend that we can all remember it. We can't. So keep cheat sheets on those kinds of things. Um, but your autobiography is not necessarily meant for just that I got married on this day, and then this happened, and then this happened, this happened. If there are holes, ask questions. It can be a dialogue. It doesn't just have to be a narrative that's, that's spoken. Okay? Let them ask questions of yours. Because if all of a sudden they're like, well, when I was 20, you know, I went to college, and then I got married around 40, and you're like, I feel like there might be something in between there, you know? Um, or they say, my second husband, and they never mention the first one, okay? Or if they don't say anything about their childhood, what kind of home did you grow up in? Ask questions, okay? Because they need to know also what they skipped. Like, what they, they skipped it for a reason, okay? And so, so make it a safe place to pull it out. When they've done that autobiography, love on them well, okay? Lay your hands on them. Have everybody pray over them. Have people tell them what they heard and the miracles that they saw, because um, they may, nev may not have ever seen the silver lining of that terrible divorce that they went through or whatever. So encourage them, because eventually they're hopefully going to be leading a group that is then going to, you know, she, they're going to be. That's going to be their way. They're going to do it too. So, um, so we do the autobiographies. Let me make sure I've got. I'm not skipping anything here. Um, and then we do the affirmations, then we, we pray at the end. Okay? The way that we do, uh, what we do next is for our church, we use this, which is um, a trust and follow Jesus. Okay? It's pretty simple. It goes through seven chapters of basically the fundamentals um, of Christianity um, and our theological views. Uh, we do that every year. And the reason we do it every year is because people shift. Their thoughts shift, their, um, the, the way they perceive things shift. We're also trying to develop leaders. And so when we're doing this, if you as the leader do it this year, well, hopefully you're developing another leader and they're actually going to teach it next year. Or maybe if you're developing a quick leader, they're going to do it towards the end of the last couple chapters. Maybe they lead. Um, and so we do that. I would encourage you, if you don't have something like that at your church, either Find something that goes through really the fundamentals. And there's, there, I'm sure there's lots of, of published studies out there, um, Bible studies out there, that can go through the fundamentals of, of Christianity. But one thing as, as ministry leaders, you need to make sure it's, it is on target with your theology, okay? And you guys all met Bobby. He is a stickler for it, which I am grateful for, okay? So um, your church should be too. And um, so find something like that. Uh, to do. And so we have everybody go through that. Yeah. Who is that by? Uh, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I need to check whether we ended up putting them for sale or not. I know through Renew Network, um, I believe it's, it's for sale through Renew Network because he bought, when I bought a bunch for our discipleship ministry, he bought some extras for that. What is Bobby? Harrington. Okay. Yep. That Bobby. That Bobby. Yeah, the one that popped in here. Yeah, um, and knew he wouldn't throw me off by popping in here. Uh, but, but find something like that. This, this may not fit your church, you know, theologically. It, it may not. But um, so be okay with sitting in a chapter. If that chapter, if your group um, 
just doesn't get baptism, let's say, and that's important to your church, um, sit in it. Sit in it for a couple of weeks. Bring in somebody else. If, if you don't feel like, you know what, or we went through the basics, but now they're asking questions that I'm not comfortable with, bring somebody in and have them talk to your group. Um, that's okay. That's totally fair. Um, they don't need to know all the yuck that maybe they, that you learned in all the biographies, um, but they can still talk to the group about baptism or sin or whatever it is. Those are the kinds of things that we go through. After that, um, what we're doing now is, and this also hasn't even started yet. That's how new it is. Um, we're going to be doing a, a study of Mark um, about discipleship because we want to push, make sure that the DNA of discipleship is in all of our groups. Uh, and in theory, it should be if they're already in a T group, but we want to make sure it's really there. Um, and then what we're doing now is, is with Kathy's help and a couple others, is we're developing a resource list for our group leaders. So once they've been through this, they know their people and they know what they need. And so we want to develop a resource list that is on target theologically, okay? Because there's a lot out there. There's a whole lot out there. Um, and a lot of it doesn't match up with maybe what your church believes. So, um, so make sure your leaders um, will follow what your church, your church believes because that's really important to keep everybody aligned. Um, otherwise, they may be going you know, in different directions. So we will, um, so we go through that. And then you asked about how long group lasts. Well, for us, uh, we do a minimum of nine to 12 months. Some of them do them like a, you know, a school year, uh, but, but nine to 12 months. And with the goal is that after 12 months, hopefully somebody is ready to lead a group. And so once they go out to lead their group, um, then you'll bring in one or two more people. That doesn't always work, okay? And if you go to other tracks and you go to other speakers and they tell you they have a foolproof plan of how to disciple people, it's not true. <laughs> it's just not true. Um, I've been doing this a while now and some of it has to be done one-on-one, -on -one, some of it's done in a, in a group of four to six, and some it, it, it's done every which way. Um, and everybody has a little bit different needs. This is what we're doing um, and it's, it seems to be working really well. Yeah. Yes, it's once a week. Thank you for asking that. I skipped that on my outline. Yes, it's once a week and for about 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and so, so they'll meet 9 to 12 months. Um, sometimes they're ready to take out another, to, to send a leader out. We encourage our leaders to, to go through um, helping the new leader uh, by letting them practice. This should be a safe place to be able to practice. One of the things that I forgot to cover, and you have it with you, is a T-group covenant. This is, this is discussed at the first meeting. Um, this is signed by the second meeting, and this is a non-negotiable for our groups. If they do not sign this, they do not come into a T group. Uh, it has the expectations of the group. Uh, it has what you are expecting of them. Um, it also has a spot for an optional spouse to sign. If they think or you think there might be an issue with their spouse giving them, making sure that they have the bandwidth in their life to be part of a T group, have their spouse sign it, okay? Um, this, is, this is important to us uh, because we've seen it fail so many times in groups when people don't have the expectations on the table. Um, and they're not just, they're, they're like, oh, I didn't really, I, really, I mean, I, I knew we were supposed to come to group, but I mean, I can't always. Okay, well, if you knew you couldn't come, but two out of the four weeks, you, sh you shouldn't have joined this group, okay? If you knew that you weren't going to have the bandwidth to be able to do the homework for the group, you, you shouldn't have joined the group. So that's what, this, that's what this takes care of. It also says that you'll be discipling them and that they get to hear feedback even when it's hard. All right, so that puts you in a position to be able to feed into them even when it's hard, okay? And that's really important because our society tells us that we shouldn't do that. Um, and that somebody shouldn't receive it. And if you don't like what I'm doing, well, then we don't need to be friends anymore. Yeah. Um, we wrote it, yeah. Yeah, so your church, your mm -hmm. leadership, yes. The yes, yes. And I wouldn't water them down a lot. This should be a high, a, a high group. Like, and not everybody should be in it. You know, if you can get 5% of your church in it, that's a huge win. Okay, that's the kind of, of group it should be. Um, and a lot of people are not ready for that. Um, and that's, a, that's totally okay. Um, but I will tell you, once people start getting it, uh, then it starts going like wildfire. So, you know, if you start a group yourself uh, and there's a couple movers and shakers in there, 
I would, I would encourage you to start it with some leaders. If you're able, only able to start one group, start it with some leaders that you can even potentially send out in six months to start their own groups. Because once people start hearing about it and realizing that this transformation is really possible, it's, sanctification is possible. Like we can, we can move in the right direction. And their peace and joy and all those things, all those fruit of the Spirit are possible. Okay, then this is a way to do it. Um, this is Jesus's way of doing it. Um, they're going to start wanting it. And so then you kind of have to have leaders ready to go. Okay, um, so it's okay if somebody's like, oh my gosh, I really want a group right now. Like we had this problem like two months ago because we made the mistake of asking people if they wanted to be in a T group. Don't do that. Um, we asked the whole congregation, anybody want to be in a T group? And they all signed up and I went, uh, okay, I don't have groups. Um, would apply to be. Right. So exactly. So what, because they need to be ready, um, usually word of mouth ends up happening. Um, and so that's why you kind of need to have some people. We ha I have some people in my back pocket that can start a group at any time. And once I have a few people that they may or may not know because they're just not in their circles, um, then I, we, can, we can start a group that way. Uh, but so that just be kind of ready for that because as they see the transformation, others want it. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, for the women's groups, we haven't done this yet, but a lot of the men's groups are doing it even by Zoom. So um, that's a you know, video conference calling system. What they're doing, though, is they're making sure that they all know each other first. Um, Zoom works great, and we use it all the time for things, but you need to be in relationship for it to really work um, because you're not comfortable on a video chat to you know, lay out everything uh, unless you already are in a relationship. So we try, to, to, we try to make sure people are in a relationship before they start that. We do actually, we also try to coach our um, leaders, and we do most of that through Zoom. We do that for our home groups as well as our T group leaders um, all through Zoom because they can do it from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. So what's the distinction between all of the different things that, that people call everything? Uh, we, we call coaching um, that for leaders. So all we're doing is we're going over their groups, we're talking about strategies, we're, we're, we're doing that kind of thing. Um, to us, that's, that's coaching, it's more strategic. Uh, when it comes to, I, I don't use the word mentoring in our context uh, because we want to make sure we're using the word discipling. And mentoring to me feels a little more vague, um, feels a little less Jesus-centered. So we want to make sure discipling is, is truly at the core, and that's what we're doing. And when we, we talk about discipling, that's a buzzword now. Everybody loves the word discipling. Uh, and so lots of books out on it. It's you know, spiked, in the, I'm sure, in the trending. We hold it to a high standard. Um, and, and we understand that it happens at lots of different levels. And because it happens at lots of different levels, we need to even differentiate it even more. And so that's why we look at, we, we use T groups instead of a, a D group, you know, uh, mentality. And, and that's what the, the people are starting within our church to understand that, that there are different levels of it and there should be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went through how long it should last. I want to make sure I'm good. Okay. Um, so how many of you guys have discipleship ministers at your church or home group ministers or that kind of thing? Okay. Oh, good. More than I thought. That's awesome. Um, when do you go to them? Or when do you go outside? If you don't have a discipleship minister, uh, maybe it's your pastor has done a lot of discipling. Maybe it's just, maybe it's other people within your church that has done a lot of discipling. When do you ask for help? Um, all the time. Okay. Um, if you have leaders that you're unsure of, you're like, oh, I mean, they seem like they've got fruit going, but I'm not 100% sure because I really don't really know them that well. Meet with them yourself, but also ask. Um, you know, Joanne and I do it all the time, you know, where we're looking at different leaders. And Kathy, we're looking at different leaders. And how much do you know about them? What, what do we, you know, um, that's okay. That's fair. Uh, if you have people that, that are, you're looking at to put in a group, um, find out more about them um, to see if they're really ready for this. Uh, because, you know, automatically, even if you put, you know, four people in your group, probably 25%, you know, one of the people weren't really ready or something in life is going to happen and it's not going to work. Um, so, so you have to be thinking of multiplication. Uh, that's part of what we have to be doing as disciplers is finding, getting the next generation of disciplers. And so as you're looking at people, you are looking for what can happen in the future. Uh, and so you need, to, you need to know these people. And it doesn't mean that you personally need to be in a relationship from, with them for 10 years, but, but tap into the people around you. Uh, one of the things that came up, like in Joanne's group, there was, there was um, a sin cycle going on within the family. And she's like, 
What do I do? Where do I go with this? Um, totally fair. Like she hadn't had to deal with that before. Um, and so we're like, okay, well, this is how. Let's, let's go this route. Um, when big things happen to the people that you're discipling, let the ministry staff know. Um, because A, they need to be praying for them. Um, and B, there may be more to the story that you don't know. Okay? So that, I don't consider that gossip because you're part of the solution. Okay? And the person that you're asking um, is part of the solution. I don't mean bring it up at a staff meeting, <laughs> but I mean get, get other people that have more experience involved because that's the way it's going to work. Um, that's how we're supposed to be doing it. Um, get, if you have you know, elders and elders' wives or deacons or however your church is set up, um, involve them in this process. If you need to have 10 one-on-one -on -one coffees to get them on board with discipleship, it's time well spent. It's really time well spent. Um, if they've been doing it a certain way for a very long time, um, spend a little time with them um, and start showing them, showing the passages that they're gonna, that they're talking about in a lot of these <laughs> sessions, um, and that Shadonke talked about. Um, fast about it, pray about it. Uh, God can move through your churches. You have what you need um, to do it. None of us felt equipped. None of us felt ready. Um, all of us, Maggie, who popped her head in here a few minutes ago. Um, she, I, we, I've discipled her, and I don't deal with the same kind of things that she deals with, but God gave me the right words and said, just walk together and I'll tell you what to do. I'm like, okay. Um, I will tell you that discipleship will bring out um, your worst side. Um, it'll shed a light on everything that you um, think and feel that aren't godly. And all of a sudden you're like, I've heard, I have heard things, and I know Joanne's felt the same way. We have heard things come out of our mouths or text people and gone, ooh, that was a little close to home. <laughs> I just told them to look at this scripture, and I haven't looked at that scripture. And mm, Okay. I hear you, God. All right. Um, it, it's very convicting. Um, so it will draw you closer um, to God, and it will draw you in a way that, that is different than anything else that you will do. Um, so I would encourage you just to kind of step out of the boat and, and start walking. We have time for questions. Uh, we answered a few of them along the way, but I'm happy to answer any questions, and I'll repeat it too. So, yeah. How do you nurture those that aren't ready for a tea group? We get them involved in other places. So we make sure they're in a home group um, and they're getting, they're getting more nurturing there. If it looks like they probably will be ready sometime soon, I'll talk to the home group leader and go, hey, will you put a little extra love on this person? Um, I think they're going to be ready for a tea group soon. All of our home group leaders know about tea groups. We try to talk to them um, and we'll continue to coach them to say, hey, if you've got people ready for tea groups, let's talk about how to get them get them involved because honestly those people that are in the T groups they're your future home group leaders they're your future honestly they're your future staff members they're your future um, and so in all sorts of different areas they're your your children's workers they're, you know that those are the because you want mature people um, and the only way to mature them is is to disciple you know it really is yeah yes and both um, so so she just asked they just started home groups and so is this an addition or is this instead of um, yes and both uh, some people can do both um, and that's really important to them uh, what what happens what we found just in experience is that that a lot of times couples go to home groups together maybe the wife is ready for a tea group but the husband's not or vice versa and so they will get because they want to go deeper um, and they're ready for it, and maybe the spouse isn't. So we will, they'll get into a T group and the spouse won't, but they still go to their home group as their family discipleship time. Um, now, there are some that if they, if they have to choose between the two, we have them choose a T group. And that, that does come up, you know, where, where they're like, the bandwidth we have is an hour and a half a week. <laughs> so what should we do? And we have them choose a T group. Yeah, for both. We would try to get both of them in. Doesn't always work. Yes. Yes. Um, where do we meet and what do we do with young kids? Um, nobody with kids can tell me. No. Um, <laughs> uh, where do they meet? Generally speaking, they meet in homes. Um, in, in whoever's, sometimes it's who's leading its home. Sometimes it's, it's a host home, you know, somebody in the group. We have some meet at a church. Um, during the week, especially because it's it's empty, a lot of rooms are empty, so we have a meet there. Uh, there are some that meet in coffee shops. Uh, we recommend ones that have like really high booths um, because you know it can get a little it can get a little dicey. Uh, when they have small kids, part of that covenant is if they have a spouse, that spouse needs to watch their kids while they go to they go to their group, um, and and. We have talked to the spouse before to go, this is really important for your wife. These are the things that we see in your wife. Um, 
can you support her by by making sure you take care of the kids tonight on Tuesday nights or you know whatever? Uh, they some a couple of groups have had babysitters come in, um, and they kind of pay for it between the between all of them. If we really got desperate and they were like, you know what, nobody in the group can afford to pay for this babysitter, we really need it. We would probably figure out a way to the church would would help. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, we don't have the E. Oh no, E. No. Okay. That's the, the reason why. Yeah. Reliable. Oh, reliable. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Anybody else have any? I'm so glad this was interactive because there's nothing worse, honestly, than standing up in front of a group of people and just spewing information with blank faces. Yeah. So I'm glad it was interactive. Yeah. So the question is, once they leave the T group after, after 9 or 12 months and they, they've been able to start their own group, do they stay in that original T group? How do they get discipled themselves? Uh, usually what ends up happening, well... Yes, and both. Um, and this is where it's never one size fits all, y'all. Uh, one person we had, they stayed in a group. They were like, no, I really love my original group. I feel called to go lead a group, but I'm going to stay in my original group, too, to be fed. Okay, great. Uh, what normally... So they did both. What normally happens, though, is they will leave the group, and the person that um, discipled them as their will continue to feed into them. We'll continue one to love on them one-on-one, -on -one. yeah. And they won't meet weekly. They'll, you know, they'll be touching base. They'll be praying for each other, that kind of thing, um, bouncing things off of. Or if that won't work, um, then they fall to me, and you know, I make sure I'm checking in with them and making sure that things are going well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the question is, after 9 to 12 months, then do we mix it up? Is it, you know, is it speed dating time, or is it time to just, you know? Majority of the time, what happens is the group stays together. And so because they've already invested that time, um, say one person goes out to, to lead another group, they'll bring in one or two new people, um, and that mixes up the group. That changes the whole dynamics of a group when you add anybody. So, um, so they'll mix it up a little bit. And when they go through the trust and follow material again, what the leader will do is identify the next leader that they see potential in, um, call that out in them. Uh, and then ask them to lead part of the trust and follow as the, as the group goes through it again. Because the other thing about the trust and follow or whatever material you guys choose to use, it will hit them different. After a year of truly growing, it will hit them differently. Okay? One thing that I did want to mention too is if you see somebody that's not growing and they are being fed into, they are just like, that disciple maker's on it. Um, but they're not growing. There's something there. Something, something is not working, okay? Um, talk to that leader and just, you know, that's another time to go to the leader. If you have somebody in your group and you're like, oh my goodness, they're just as immature as they were when they started this and we're six months in. It's really frustrating. Um, and I've been there, done that lots of times. Usually there's some type of emotional immaturity that's in there somewhere um, that maybe they just hid really well when before they started. Um, but talk to your discipleship leader about that. That may be somebody that stays in a group for three years um, before they, they go out. And maybe they're never supposed to go out or maybe they're not supposed to go out for quite a long time that's okay usually what happens with those people is they end up leaving the group um, because because the the it's so high you know the that they just they get they get over over it and they end up leaving the group unfortunately but yes yeah we also refer people out easily I am a big believer in something's above my pay grade um, I refer them out okay so we refer to celebrate recovery we refer to counseling we refer to lots of other places or you know sometimes some people will be in a group and they'll call me in and go hey can you meet with this person one-on-one -on -one? and or the three of us can meet so we can kind of figure out what's going on and I can just use my experience to kind of go oh, okay this is where I feel like something's holding them back um, and let's do this to to, to get there, to get to the next step. Um, and it may be that they need to come out of the group and just do something one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Yeah, because we have had that happen. Yeah. How yeah. many groups do you personally lead? Um, I don't. No, you don't? No, at this, uh, right now, no, because I'm coaching the leaders. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Joanne leads a group, um, and, and we've got, you know, lots of other leaders, but for the most part, I'm coaching, yeah, and doing one-on-ones. Yeah, because um, the way that the where I see myself best utilized is is in leadership development. So when I see somebody that looks like they're they're on the verge of leadership, um, then I'm going to start pouring into them and and really trying to, to to raise them up into into leadership. A lot of times it's stability. A lot of times it's their choices. A lot of times it's it's the sorry I didn't repeat the question. How do I how do you see spiritual growth? Um, we actually use a spiritual growth chart. Um, and it looks a lot like a kid growth chart, um, and it goes from from dead to infant to child to young adult to adult to parent 
to grandparents, because our goal is grandparents, or great-grandparents. Uh, and the great thing about that, and you can find that, actually I can show you this too. This is where I get a lot of our material came from. This you can get on at discipleship.org. You can get it at the table downstairs. Um, Bobby and then our, our discipleship ministry pastor and teaching pastor, Josh um, Patrick, wrote it. It's got lots of, lots of the information. This is kind of where our bread and butter. Um, but it has that chart in there. And the nice thing about the chart is it helps leaders with expectations. So if, I, if we're looking at somebody and it's never done in a judgmental way, but we say, you know what, this is really a child um, or an infant in their spiritual walk, we don't expect them to be able to memorize scripture immediately or to be able to show up at everything all the time. We have to really say, you know what, part of being in this group is that you show up every week. And we have to make sure they understand the expectation because their heart's not going to be there yet, okay? And that's hard. Um, but they may not be ready for the group yet either. But most of the time, they do beautifully. Um, but to see spiritual growth is to see the, how they react to situations. They're going to start reacting to situations differently. The conversation that you have in your group is going to look different because they're growing. All of a sudden, the argument that they had with their spouse, they're actually seeing their part in it. And it's not just the other part. You're seeing fruit of the spirit. Um, and maybe they were a sweet person before, but you actually the reason behind their, their niceness is actually a fruit of the spirit, not just you know, they're a nice person. And talk with your discipleship minister. Uh, one of the things that we do, um, or one of your pastors or, or an elder, you know, somebody that, that has experience too, one of the things that we encourage our leaders to do is really look at where everybody is objectively. Um, and again, not to, not to say, oh my gosh, you're an infant and you're this, um, but to be able to look at potential leaders and where, how you can help grow them to the next stage because it looks different. Somebody that just came to Christ, even if they're in it for 20 years, um, if they're still a spiritual infant, looks really different than a spiritual parent. And they need different things, and they need to, to be challenged in different ways, but they still need to be challenged to grow. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. That message was from Grace and Truth Living's track called Women in Disciple Making. Download their free PDF giveaway that has 42 printable scripture memory cards at discipleship.org slash graceandtruth. In addition to this podcast and that download, you'll find dozens of other great discipleship resources at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.